Good morning, church. It's good to see everybody this morning. I've been uh, doing a little traveling around, so uh, I'm a little road weary, but always glad to be home. Of course, I was in the great state of Arkansas, seeing some family and folks up there. And so, you know, like any other uh, grandparent, uh, I started to figure out a way I could put pictures of my grandkids on the big screen, but that, you know, that didn't happen. So uh, I'll slip those in there some Sunday. I'm sure there'll be an illustration for something. As much stuff as they get into, I'm afraid there'll be an illustration for a lot of things. Uh, We're going to be... Working out of Acts chapter uh, 10 and 11, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. Uh, We'll get to this in in just a moment. Um, Also brought my uh, phone up here. I was uh, watching the live stream and I was saying hi to folks uh, from all kinds of different places. Uh, uh, Rich Smart in Idaho, who Rich was just with us a few weeks ago when we had the snowstorm. He came for two days and stayed a week. and so uh, 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 a lot of folks here, Greg Snyder, uh, Misty Bean, uh, Michael Moore, uh, our whole group, Dad Johnson, our whole group from Illinois. You know, we have a whole group there that meets uh, all the time and uh, in a small group. And so uh, say hi to you guys from Stoughton, Illinois. And uh, I, I said that right, didn't I, Illinois? Because, I mean, our groups in Illinois because isn't there an S on the end of that thing? I'm like, okay, if you don't need it, anyway, I don't want to get into, uh, I'm, I'm, if I get into grammar stuff, then Gordon Dasher sends us emails of rebuking me a lot, so uh, you know how he is, right? Uh, all right, let's get our scripture here. Owen, come on up. Get you here to read in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, what, what have you been up to? You had spring break, right? Yeah. So what did you do on your spring break? Nothing really. Let me turn this on. I want everybody to hear that exciting answer. Nothing uh, really. Nothing really. <laughs> nothing really. That's all you can come up with? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, so what are you doing up at school right now? Mm, baseball. Baseball? All right. Why does that not surprise me? Uh, okay. Are y'all got a good team? Yes, sir. What position are you playing? First. First base. Okay, good. Good deal. That's good because never could figure out where to put your dad when he played. Uh, he he wanted to play every position, but you know how that is. Uh, so some of y'all, make sure and tell him if he's not in here. That okay? Uh, uh, so what else have you been in? What 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 grade are you in? Um, ninth grade. Ninth grade. Wow, you're getting on up there. That's good. That's good. And so, uh, what's your hobbies besides sports? I like to hunt. You like to hunt? What kind? Deer hunting. Deer hunt. Okay. Well, we got a hunter here. We got a sportsman here. Uh, what else? Um, fishing. Fishing. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've 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 settled the fact that you like the outdoors. We've got that down. All right. Well, thank you for doing this, and uh, for the for by the way for the whole youth group. I know they're involved in a lot of different kinds of things uh, right now at our church. And uh, and by the way, the new discipleship thing. Oh, that looks great. I, I'm so good. Uh, excited, uh, so uh, uh, excited about that initiation of raising up young men and young women in the Lord. That that's what we need to be doing, right? The next generation's got to come up, and so uh, uh, that's what uh, that's what we should be uh, all about. So, uh, 
Okay, uh, Owen, uh, read our scripture for us. Tell us where it is and read it for us. Acts 10, 11 through 15. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up here, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have not eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. All right, thank you. I appreciate it very, very much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that the uh, Fellowship Center group is with us. Uh, and uh, uh, normally I can see them on the monitors here sometimes. So we have technical problems. So I'm just believing that they're there by faith. There they are. Okay. Uh, uh, Worship Center, Fellowship Center, live stream audience, all the different kinds of audiences we have. Glad you're here. Uh, the title today is called uh, Things Change. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you might remember, there was an old preacher, and he'd come through and preached here before, and he would he would kind of sing it out. You know, he'd tell us less. He would say, things change. Anybody remember that? How many remember that? All right, all three of you uh, that are as old as me remember that guy. Jack Exum was his name. Great preacher, uh, great illustrator. He would always use that phrase. And I couldn't help but think of that phrase when I looked at this two sections of Scripture here in Acts chapter 10 and 11 as we've been going through the book of Acts. And, and by the way, I, I, I've been gone one week. I wasn't here, of course, the last Sunday. I was traveling and preaching. And, uh, uh, and I had this title down, but I didn't realize when I got back, things really did change. I mean, there's a new screen, which I've not seen before. And there's uh, holes in the roof. Uh, I'm assuming that's a positive thing, that we're doing something there and it just didn't fall apart, although there are things that fall apart at our building. Uh, right, Paul? Yeah, all the time. And so, uh, but, uh, but things are changing. Uh, but look, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the change and I'm going to tell you why. I've got the answer right here to all of our problems, Paul. You've been looking for this. You know, it takes, uh, takes some money sometimes. And, uh, We've got uh, we've got our pews here. We're fixing to tear all them out and put chairs in. Uh, by the way, if you'll just make a donation and buy your own chair, you can have a place to sit. If not, you can uh, stand the whole time. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but there are uh, things that change. But look, I've even got that solved because I got this official letter from the Davidson Chambers Law Firm in Canada, dear Mike Kellett. Uh, my name is Robert Davidson. I'm a partner in the Davidson Chambers uh, Law Firm. And Ken, uh, apologies if my letter comes to you as a surprise since there's been no previous correspondence. There is an unclaimed permanent life insurance policy held by a deceased client. His name is Amos Kellett. And uh, this, uh, this appears to be in the amount of $11,030,900 United States dollars. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to settle all of our problems right here. Eleven million. Of course, he wants. Uh, uh, he wants. See, he says he'll give ten percent to charity. That could be us. And then he wants to split the nine between me and him. Uh, I'm thinking if it's mine, why should I split it? But anyway, selfish part of me coming out. Uh, but. Anybody got these? I mean, it must be right. It must be uh, correct because it actually came by fax to our church. 
So I decided to make use of this, this thing that has no use. I said, you know what? I'm going to make this piece of paper valuable. So I jotted some of my sermon notes on it. So, all right. <laughs> well, Acts chapter 10 is about change. It's about the gospel now all of a sudden being available to a whole different race of people. I get tired of hearing the word racism. Uh, I don't get tired of fighting it. I do get tired of hearing about it all the time, sometimes. Actually, I try to find that verse in the Bible that says, don't be racist, and couldn't find it. Uh, But I don't have to use that terminology. The verses are all over the place, especially in this context here, when he talks about that God is not prejudiced and we shouldn't be either. And so uh, we're going to deal a little bit uh, with that. But to just understand how this thing is set up, we've been preaching through Acts. So in Acts 2, the apostles speak in all these different languages by power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out on them. They speak in languages, uh, which basically is a sign that says this gospel is going to go to every language, nation, and race. And then they preach the gospel. They hear the gospel. They say, what do we need to do? Peter says, repent and be baptized. Remember that? 3,000 people are soaking wet that day as they responded to the news of Jesus. And then out of Acts 2, then the church starts to grow, but mainly among the, the Jews. And then we get over into Acts 8. And the Samaritans, the kind of the half-breeds that were considered, who Jews didn't want anything with them, all of a sudden the gospel goes to them. And we see uh, uh, Philip also there preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's converted. And now this gospel is on its way beyond just the Jewish race. And then all of a sudden in Acts 9, you see Peter who's staying at the house of a guy named Simon the Tanner. He, he, he took care of hides and was handled dead, dead animals, and, which, by the way, made him unclean, which a good Jewish guy like Peter shouldn't have been staying with him. But he did. And then uh, in Acts 10, Peter, at, while at his house, then all of a sudden has this vision. And we're going to do a little reading and talking about how God really has been bringing up Peter to change his whole idea about this gospel going to the whole world. Because he still hadn't quite got it yet, even though he's been around it a lot. It, sometimes it takes, while, it takes a while for people to get about the change they need to make, doesn't it? I'm glad for old Peter because uh, I find myself being a lot like him, hard-headed a lot of times and taking a little while to make the change you need to make. And yet God was with him the whole way. So that's pretty good news to me. All right, so in Acts chapter 10, let's do a little bit of reading here. Now, well, let me give you kind of a quick outline here. Uh, in uh, the first 33 verses of Acts 10, this is the preparation for change. And it's going to be seen by two, two visions. Then in, the, in verse 34 through the end of the chapter, there's going to be the proclamation uh, of, of the change of the gospel and two lessons learned. And then in Acts, chap, in Acts chapter 11, the first 18 verses, there's going to be an explanation of the change and two testimonies that prove it. If you like an outline, there you go. Okay. All right. Chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as an Italian regiment. He and all of his families were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. 
One day about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and devout soldier was one of them of his attendants. And he told them everything that happened and he sent them to Joppa. And about noon the following day, as they were uh, on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, he went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was preparing, he fell into a trance. Now, automatically, Peter's doing something backwards because typically I eat and then fall into a trance. I mean, is that how it works at your house? Okay. So he said he falls into He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth, birds of the air. Then a voice told him, this is, this is ever Hunter's favorite verse, and the old King James it said, Arise, kill, and eat. Right? He's the, uh, Get up, Peter, kill, and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have, I, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God's made clean. This has happened. This happened three times, which, by the way, Peter has a problem. It almost takes him three of everything. Have you ever noticed that in his life? Think about that. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous, God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. And a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men to the house as his guests. The next day, Peter started with them, uh, out with them, uh, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and they called together his relatives and his close friends. That's what uh, every preacher loves to have happen. When you know he's coming, he gathers, he gathers a crowd for him to preach there, right? As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm only a man myself. By the way, just one, one quick thing in here. Here's a lesson from Peter. Show no hesitation when God tells you to do something. Show hospitality to other people, even if you're not used to being with them. And show humility while you're with them. Okay? All right. Talking with them, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising objection. May I ask uh, why you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was in my house praying in an hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God's heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. 
So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. All right. Preparation for the change that's about to take place happened through two visions at two different guys' houses, but kind of at the same time. And neither one of them knew the other one was, was hearing from God. And yet, when they both were obedient to what God told them to do, all, they, they come in the, the, together in harmony to make something great happen for the Gentile folks. There's some preparation by God. Now, I can't say that I've ever had any spiritual visions or miraculous visions. I, 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 matter of fact, I, I don't need that. I've got God's Word to tell me exactly what to do, by the way. Uh, there's no new revelation coming. Uh, he writes clearly that we have everything we need in this book. Peter did says that for our life and godliness. But you know what? To, to, to challenge Peter to go on this trip and this journey into a different race of people had to be challenging to his own emotions and his own heart. Uh, think about how challenging it is for us today. Whether it's prejudice between the rich and the poor or the black and the white or whatever race it is. Look, by the way, there's not but one race. It's the human race. Right? And if you'll remember, after the flood of days of Noah, he had three sons and they went out and dispersed among the earth. So everybody came from Adam and then everybody came from those three sons of Noah. And there was another time in history... Uh, at the Tower of Babel where the people, because of their pride, God spreads them out in languages across, in Genesis 11, across the nation. Now, they were dispersed because of sin. But dispersion is not the problem. Diversity is not the problem. It's the domination of one people over another that is the problem. Understand it? Diversity is not the problem. God made us in a diverse way. Uh, we're genetically built different as people from all over the world. That's not the problem. And look, this idea that uh, somehow or another we can all end up being the same, we're not the same. We're not created the same. Now listen to me real careful. We don't need to be colorblind. We need to be colorful. Because God's family ought, is to be made up of every nation and every race. From all over the world, in every language, that's what we're about. Look, nobody is better than anybody else, and nobody should be dominating someone else, whether it's because of race, money, or any other reason. Amen. Jesus, remember the song? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the red and black and there you go. You've sang it all your life. Now, why is it that something we've sung all of our life is so hard for us sometimes to practice in our life? We should always value human life. Do not preach to me that you're pro-life 
if you're not pro every life of every race. We're pro-life. I'm I'm trying not to just go off preaching here. I've already done that once recently. So, Look, look, just understand, the gospel's made for every human being. And as God's people, it is not only our responsibility, it is our honor to teach the good news of people to every race and every language around the world and in our own hometown. Okay? Acts seventeen twenty six. the Bible says, He made from one man every nation that came from God. You don't get your value from your race. You're not special because you're white, black, red, or yellow. You're special because you are created and made in the image of the Almighty God. That's why you're valuable. And you are so valuable, God sent his son to die for your son. Now, that's the next section of Scripture. What's the proclamation? The, the preparation for this change that's got to take place was these two visions. Now, let's see what the proclamation was. Uh, verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him. And do what's right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Who is Lord of all. By the way I love that good news of peace. Look if your actions. Trying to solve. Discrimination and prejudice. Is not on the basis. Of peace. Through Jesus Christ. It will never accomplish anything. Because you cannot legislate the heart of man. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John Priest. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised him from the dead on the third day, caused him to be seen. So he just goes through and preaches the gospel, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? By the way, that's what has the power to change hearts anyway. So Peter preaches this message, and then he says in verse 43, All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, while, he, while Peter was speaking these words, okay, he's still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. The circumcised believers, who's that? That's your Jews. The Jews that came with Peter. Remember, he carried some folks along with him. He carried these people along with him. They all had the same prejudices that all the Jews had toward the Gentiles. And they got to be feeling pretty awkward at this moment. When they're standing there uh, and, and with a whole house full of Gentiles around them, and it's not even legal to be there. And then, so they see this. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. By the way, this tongue speaking is, is not jibber-jabbish. This tongue speaking is actually languages. And it's the exact same thing that Peter says happened to him in Acts 2. When they all spoke in different languages. Got it? So in Acts 2, the Spirit's poured out. 
on them. The gospel's preached. They say, what do we do? Their hearts are pricked. They repent and they're baptized. And that, that was the Pentecost taking place in Acts 2. Really, in Acts 10, you basically have a repeat of the, of the but it's now the Gentile Pentecost, if you will. Because the same thing's happening. The Jews see the Holy Spirit work a great miracle on the Gentiles. And then they realize, wait a minute, if he's doing that on them, then they can obey God too. And Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Not only did the, by the way, this tells you the great spirit, by the way, of, of Cornelius and the Gentiles. They not only sent for someone of a different race to teach them. Think about the humility that, that took place for this Roman, so, for this soldier, this centurion, Cornelius. Think about the humility and the honesty it took for him to be willing to learn from a Jewish fisherman. That spirit of humility and honesty, because he, cause he just wanted to do what God said. Not only that, he ate with him, then he brings him into his house, and then he invites him to stay several days to keep learning from him. And I've often thought, how much better off would we be if we had the Cornelius attitude of humility and willingness of heart? One, to listen to God. And two, to learn from whoever God sends our way. Because I think sometimes in religion, and it probably is worse with guys, it's probably worse with guys that do what I do, preaching, that the pride gets in the way and somehow or another you think you have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. We're just opening up Bible, learning like everybody else. And if we, if we do not have the ability to learn from other people, regardless of their background and their race, we've got to be willing to learn from everybody. When we think God's got something for us to learn from somebody, I need to be saying, look, get all my prejudices out of the way, God. Let me learn what you want me to learn. That's got to be the spirit that I develop in my life. Well, the proclamation is the, the, the two lessons there. In the last part of that chapter, the lesson is one, the gospel. It changes hearts. But another lesson is the Jews. They got a big dose of reality when they see God working in the lives of the Gentiles. And finally they realize, you know what? This thing ain't just for us. Now, now that's just a few of them because the rest of them are still going to have a problem with it. You ever try to change something in the church and, and it always goes smooth and easy? Is that what it goes, Paul? I mean to tell you why. You do some kind of change in the church, and it's difficult. It's difficult. It's just difficult, one, because we just, by nature, are comfortable people. Matter of fact, I, I feel for you right now. My heart goes out. I'm just almost in pain for you right now. Because when we get chairs in here, you're not going to be able to figure out what pew you sat in. And some of you, that's going to be a problem. You're going to be like, what was it like? How many feet was it from the front? And this is, I was the third, you know. And somebody, some, you'll figure it out. And then somebody will set it and you'll say, they got my chair. I mean, it won't take it two Sundays. Right? I remember a story one time of a lady who actually asked some visitors to move because they sat in her pew. 
Do you think she had the wrong focus there? Change? <laughs> it's, it's difficult. It was difficult in Acts. Because the very first thing that happens in chapter 11, as he's explaining the change, here's what happens. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So they're hearing about it now. You know, it don't take long to hear. Even back then, I, I know they didn't have they didn't have Facebook, FaceTime, and whatever. They just had they just had the old-fashioned way of whispering in somebody's ear, and it goes out loud quickly, right? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised, that's your Jews, believers, they criticized him. Can you believe somebody would criticize a preacher? I'm shocked. No big amens there, brother. And said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. It's almost like, how dare you? Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. I was in the city of Joppa. We won't read through this. It's just, he just repeats what's in Acts chapter 10, telling about his story of seeing, having the vision of God and God leading him to Cornelius and preaching the gospel. And he says in verse 15 of 11, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us from the beginning. I remembered what John had said. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I like this, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Who am I to think that I can oppose God? When you refuse to believe that every human being is valuable, you are opposing God. When they heard this, they had no further objections. Praise God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Change, God prepared him with two visions. He proclaimed the change that the gospel's for everybody and the Holy Spirit bear testimony to it. They're baptized, following Jesus. The people who objected to the change hear the testimony of Peter. And see through his story the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden they realize this gospel's for everybody. It's for everybody. Because there is no clean, unclean anymore. Peter learned that from the vision, right? Things change. So we have to change things. Change is inevitable. Methods change. Do you think in the book of Acts, when the church met, they all gathered up in a church building on a street corner called Church Street and had church in a building and sat in pews and some guy stood up like this and preached. That ain't how they drew in church. 
Matter of fact, the idea that we could reproduce the New Testament church is really foreign to the Bible anyway. I love my history in the restoration movement. I love the fact that we say go back to the Bible, just follow the Bible, and try to be as close to the Bible as you can. That's a great message, and that's a good goal. But nowhere in the Bible does it say to be right, you've got to go back and reproduce a church that way it was in the book of Acts. Because it's all constantly changing in the book of Acts. It's a story, a history story of how the gospel and the body of Christ is changing to teach other people around the world. It's a constant change. And for us somehow or another thinking we can sit in the same room and do the same thing the same way and then we will be right all the time. It's just foreign, totally foreign to a study of the scriptures. The Bible doesn't say go be the church of Acts. Nowhere. Find me that verse. That pattern theology is a dangerous theology. We're not to reproduce the church in the Bible. We're to reproduce the life of Jesus Christ in our individual lives. And that gives birth to the church. The church is not as much an organization as it is an organism. It's the body of Christ living and and active in this world. Matter of fact, whatever Jesus was busy doing in his body while he was on the earth is what, as a church, what we ought to be doing as his body on the earth. So if he helped sick people, we helped sick people. He fed the hungry, we feed the hungry. He reached out and taught people about the kingdom of God, we reach out and teach people about the kingdom of God. He ate with sinners and tax collectors, we eat with sinners and tax collectors. We just do whatever Jesus did. We'll be okay. And that includes having people in our house and putting their feet under our table that look different from us, that speak different from us, that act different, that come from a different culture, a different race, different part of the world, a different country. And we're just being Jesus when we do that. It's like Jesus stopping at the well and talking to the Samaritan woman, who he wasn't even supposed to be talking to publicly anyway. Have people in your house that don't look like you. It's easy for me to have my friends over. I mean, we, we, had, we had some friends over last night. We had the Abels came over. Bill Angeli came over. We played dominoes. And, and I tried to pick up sermon illustrations by how ugly people are in the, ball, in the game. But, you know, sometimes I'm the ugly one, so I have to kind of call that one. And so I go from illustration to confession if, real quick if I'm not careful. But it's easy to have people we love. And, and acquainted with, and that's a good thing. You need that. We need relationships. But what about somebody totally different that has different struggles than you ever dreamed of having? People that have come out of the world that are just terrible situations, whether they've been abused or prostitution or drunkenness or addiction or. Uh, or or raised in a totally different country with a different culture, what about having those people put their feet under your table? That's what we got to do. That's who we're called called to be. Change is inevitable. The methods change. The message does not. I'll give you a quick example of this. Uh, Back in the 70s, when I came here to go to school of preaching, uh, and matter of fact, that year they started building this room right here. 
So for about 20 years, I called it the new auditorium, even though it hadn't been new since 1977. But uh, <clears throat> Susan and I got married over in the small auditorium. Matter of fact, we didn't decorate much for it. We just kept a little candle deals. And in our wedding pictures, there's these big red letters of the, uh, of the theme that year for the church. And it said, find your ministry in big red styrofoam letters. And that's all in our wedding pictures. And Susan says she did. And uh, so, but we had buses. We had, I think at that time, we had nine pink buses that we drove all over Monroe, West Monroe, pulling kids in from every neighborhood around. Anybody remember the bus ministry? Now, you, you, you couldn't do that. Matter of fact, one, one of my buddies always said, don't reason you had the bus ministry because you weren't effective at the car ministry to begin with. But anyway, we pulled people in all over. But eventually the method of that changed. And all of a sudden, you, you know, knocking on doors and walking through a neighborhood and everything kind of, kind of changed within our culture what happens and doesn't happen. And so that method changed. But the message, the message never changed. The message never changed. We, uh, before the pandemic, we were doing some live stream stuff, but not much. And now all of a sudden in this thing, we discover we can be all over the world just back there in that live stream booth and through the computers and everything. We have people in, in Rhode Island and Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Africa and Canada. All these people uh, are watching right now, you guys, live stream audience, a part of our WFR community. And that has changed. But the message has been the same. Message has been the same. So you see, change is inevitable. And we must be open to do whatever it takes. Paul said it this way I become all things to all people that I might what? Win some. It's worth making changes to win more people to Jesus. Change requires adjustments. You're going to experience that when we take the pews out and you have to bring your lawn chairs for a couple of weeks. Adjustments, you know. Change is always seen and must always be seen in light of the Scriptures. There's a reason to make changes. That it's an advantage for the gospel and the growth of our family. Then... Let me say this, kind of last little thing before I wrap it up. And this is what kind of Peter kind of had to do. He's fighting his feelings. Do what is right and let your feelings follow your obedient heart, not the other way around. Got it? You do what's right and feelings follow that obedient heart. Not the other way around. The other way around is you feel something, and because you feel something, you do it. Feelings, they're fickle. They go back and forth, up and down. They're all over the place. It's the difference between the mountain and the weather. The mountain is solid. It doesn't move. It's there. You can trust where it is and what's happening with it. The weather, what? It flows and changes all over the place. Your feelings are like the weather. And they're up and down and changing. And one bad, one bad comment in the line at Walmart, and your feelings are up all over the place. And You're right. 
But the truth of who Jesus is and what He's done for you, that never changes. That's why you can't trust your feelings. You must trust the mountain over the weather. You must trust the Word of God and what is right over how you feel. So do what is right. Let your feelings follow your obedient heart, not the other way around. Just kind of think about that one for a little bit. Things change, but we have to change things. We change other people's lives by our investment into their hearts. We change our own personal lives by the investment we put into the Word of God. For as it soaks into our minds and our hearts, the Bible changes our life. It has the power to cut to the quick, to cut to the heart, to the bone, the marrow, Hebrew writer says, right? The Word of God is powerful. That's why we need to dive in, get in every Bible study you can, dive into the Word of God, let it change your heart, follow obediently this book, and let God be the one that guides your steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. Proverbs chapter 3. So be wise. Be humble like Cornelius. Be obedient like Peter. Be honest with the Scriptures and the message like they both were. And let God change your life. That's all I have for you today. That's two chapters. That's quite a bit right there, right? Remember, there's only one race. It's the human race. And the one that created it came to earth, died for your sins on a cross. So that you and I could have the hope of eternal life. His body came out of a ground and went back to heaven to help us every day. Put your faith and trust in the message of the gospel. If you need to be baptized today, reenacting the death, burial, resurrection, we can take care of that. If you just need help in life, whether it's sickness or whether it's some spiritual sickness, Satan's taking advantage to you. We're, we're a forever family, right? So we're in this together. That's why we pray together. We love on each other. That's why we say no one responds alone. We're, always, we're all in it together. So if you have a need today for our church family to pray with you and over you, we can take care of that. And we just want to, I just want to tell you that I love you deeply. I love the way I've seen your lives change over the years. It's, it's like watching the book of Acts in action when you see this church and the things they're doing in the lives of other people. And it's exciting to be a part of. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the day. Give us the open hearts that we need. Give us the willingness to submit obediently to your word. Give us the desire to teach and share with other people regardless of their race or background. And help us to give people in our culture hope because of the message of Jesus. There's so much hopelessness in our world. 
And we know that the only place to really find true remedy is in the story of Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, if you have a need, please come while we stand and sing.